My name's Gala, or actually Gareth, so if you know that I don't have a five-year-old name. Is a... <laughs> yeah, so this is my first time, so have some grace with me. But I know you guys are my family, and that's the awesome part, because like I'm just talking to family, and some of you I don't know because this is the first service we've had in so long together. But wow, I feel like God's really done my preach for me. And yeah, tonight I want to talk about true freedom. So um, it's really incredible that the Lord has gone ahead. And yeah, I didn't tell the worship band that. So yeah, I don't take the reason for that. So I think it's really incredible. Anyway, cool. Yeah, and I also want to just put a disclaimer out there. Um, yeah, well, that's a long ago. I trust, and I have such faith, that any feeble words that come up my mouth, that God, if they are within His will, He will bless them to your ears. And that's my own heart for tonight. Cool. Um, yeah, I really want people to leave with, with knowledge tonight. Yes. I really want people to leave experiencing God in some way, maybe greater clarity on His way, so we can actually serve Him better, and love better, and experience His love better. Sweet, are we on the same page? Yeah. yeah. We're going to need your support tonight. <laughs>
So, yo, that was crazy. Um, and uh, with anything like that, um, there's kind of four things that make something free for you to choose to do. First one is, I had to have the opportunity to do it. Don had to have the opportunity to do it. But another opportunity, you wouldn't be free to do it, yeah? Easy. First point of tick. <laughs> Secondly, I had to be capable of doing it. And Don had to be capable of doing it. So Don would have had to, you would have got the jacket and put it on and kind of be a cook, there would be something that would have helped you, yeah? Yeah, glasses, bottles, all sorts of things. <laughs> um, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have felt equipped if you didn't have someone tell you like how you do it, who you'd hold on to. Did you pull the thing? No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> um, so you have to, you have to be equipped. You have to know who you were going to go with and all that. And if you wasn't equipped and wasn't capable of doing it, you wouldn't be free to do it either. Um, and then the third point is you have to be motivated to do it. This is an interesting one because I can't say entirely I was motivated to do that, but somehow deep down I did have a desire to do it, and I'll touch on this later, but the other reason I had a desire to do it is that my little sister Joe's really wanted to do it, and uh, it, it was much cheaper to do it with the two. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so it's either this or my little sister doesn't do it, and I thought, no, I love my little sister, I'm going to do it, and um, we'll touch on that later. And then the final thing is I had to learn dominant to know that we were going to be safe in the end. Yeah. If we just did everything and we just jumped, poof, and had a good time, but we had deceived ourselves and actually didn't know that we were safe, then we wouldn't have been free to do it either. And so it is in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So, the opportunity. I'm going to read the scripture. Can we go to Psalm 8, 3 to 5? This is the SP, huh? Cool, let's check it. I would make a better joke now. <laughs> um, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Would you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor? The first point I want to say is the opportunity for physical life. Like it's simple. We get to be in this incredible world. Now I know some of us, we all come from different backgrounds. I can't say that I've had the same experience in the human life. But there's an element that I can be grateful that I'm breathing today. And I think that's the first thing. There's an opportunity for physical life. Cool. Then there's the opportunity for everlasting life. And we read Ezekiel 37, 26 to 28. Bear in mind, this was written 500 to 600 years before Jesus. And um, just to give you some clarity, Israel, God's chosen people, in which God is going to use as a people to share his glory to the rest of the world. That was to his chosen people. If you read Romans 11, it says that actually now in Christ, we're all grafted into the promises of Israel. And so when you read this, when you read Israel, you're reading us. Okay? Cool. <coughs> And I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and multiply them. And I will set my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel when my sanctuary is among them. Godfrey said that in the Old Testament, they had to break through certain religious barriers just to even become right with God. And God's giving them hope and saying, yes, I gave you all these rules and regulations, but you keep butchering it. 
So I'm actually going to make a way, he gives them a sense of hope that they can have faith in that actually he's going to make a covenant of peace with us. An everlasting one that's not going to end. And in fact, his sanctuary is going to be among us. I'll be their God and they will be my people. And this is the beautiful thing. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, sanctify Israel. I'm telling you, Israel tried to sanctify themselves up to that point. They did everything in their power to sanctify them. God said, the only way is if I come down and make a way to sanctify you. And I'm going to do that by putting my sanctuary among them forever. So I don't know if that was jumping around. Sorry, I've never... Cool. Anyway. So, crazy, eh? Hey? God wants to make a way for us to actually live presence. And that's why I felt like we could carry on worshiping. Because it was like everyone was that faithful for God today. Um, yeah, 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 15. Um, actually, let me put it up. I'll just read it. But thanks be to God. You can just listen to me. <laughs> but thanks be to God, who Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. Yeah, it's like a triumphant march. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ, to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. So God is saying that Jesus is a, 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 like starting His march, and He's one. So it's a triumphal procession. And we all have like cronies behind Him. It's like so tough that we get to walk behind Him, you know, doing life. And if you've ever watched the march, you have a whole bunch of people on the sides, and they watch, they can't wait for, it's like, well, even a marathon, they can't wait for that first person to come through. And then the rest of it is they like, watch and comment on everyone else. You know, you're like, oh, he must have done there. Oh, he's fighting, what? Oh, he's talking to that guy, you know? And you kind of just watch almost the fragrance of the first guy, the aroma of Christ, and we're that, we're that people. We're coming after Christ, and we're actually the fragrance and the aroma of Christ. What a privilege. I'm sorry, that gives me shivers. It's like God has chosen to use us. We're all broken in this room, whether you believe it or not. chosen to use us to be his fragrance. I'm blown away by that. So the first point is the opportunity. Do we recognize the opportunity for life, the everlasting life? Cool. First point, we, we're happy, we've got it. Great. Then, Don needed to be capable, as we said. Um, and the beautiful thing is that before God would have chosen to do it, he definitely wasn't capable. He didn't know. He made a decision to do it, but he wasn't capable of, of doing it. Um, and in the kingdom, when God's asking us to be the fragrance of Christ, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't smell very good. How am I going to be the fragrance of Christ? And like I said, Israel had tried and tried and tried and tried, and they couldn't. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We have to be equipped by the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, Holy Spirit isn't this thing that wants to make you roll around on the floor. Maybe just keep that out there. <laughs> He's a personal being that wants to dwell in you and equip you so you can be the fragrance of Christ. Cool. Luke 24, 46 to 49. Jesus is um, pretty much saying as a, some of his last words to his disciples. It's kind of like the Great Commission. And um, yeah, he says this to them. It's just revealed himself after he's come to the cross and he says do you have it? can't remember what it is, cool thus it is written that the Christ sorry, I'm going to read the verse before he says, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead 
and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with the power from on high. So first of all, God had to open their minds. Oh, we got that. Great. Come unlock your own mind. Yeah. Need the power of the Spirit to unlock your mind. Okay. And said to them, it is written, and he says the gospel, Jesus Christ died and resurrected. But he says this, he then says in 48, you are the witnesses of these things. And the verse before he's saying that, you, that there's a job to be done, and this needs to be proclaimed to all the nations. Then he says, so nice, and he says to the disciple of Peter, you are the witness of this. Peter, what would you have really thought in that moment? Would you have felt like you could do that? Proclaiming the good news to all the nations. Would you have been ready? Okay, the right answer is no. Yeah. I feel great to actually say I'm holy in some area of my life. Yeah. 
And it's something we don't talk about. Last year, there was a lot of renewing and holiness. You know, the Lord really is shining with holiness and lighting a lot of things in the family. I've never been so excited to work with you in my life. You know, when I was here. It was incredible. Okay. So we've been equipped and we're excited. Now we're like, oh, yes, here we go. And then comes a bit more of the, the grind. Because now we have to make a decision. Sheesh, I'm actually going to do this. Why am I going to do this? Why am I going to jump off that cliff? And Dom was a adrenaline that junkie. He was keen from the start, but I certainly wasn't. Um, and yeah, you're not free if you do something out of duty or if you do something because you have to do it. You're not free. Who is felt bound to duty in church before? There we go. Cool. Got that out the air. Great. Cool. That was the only one. Um, who has found, yeah, yeah, you're not free. You're only free if you have a desire for something or motivation to do it. You just buy it and you're not actually free to do it in your own life. In your own life. And this is where I actually want to share a bit more of a personal testimony. So, before I joined this family, um, I joined here in lockdown last year. Um, about six months before, I was very like zealous for the things of God, like very passionate about the things of God. And I was kind of on fire, and I wanted the giftings and the healings, and I would just be like running wherever I could. But I didn't have a, a very good picture of God's way of using that zealousness through the body of Christ. Then I was fortunate enough to go on an exchange to the States, and while I was on that exchange, I really wanted to actually find out, like, God, I'm reading these scriptures, and I'm not really seeing what the real church looks like in my life, at least. And I want to find out. <laughs> I think I went to, sometimes, like one day I went to three church church services on a Sunday. And I had my notebook, and I'll tell you what, it was very much my own pride. It wasn't something that I was like, I'm bit, I felt like I was trying to work out church. It's got a, and I'd sit there, and I'd like, write my notes, and I'd say, should say it like this. Preacher, you know, preacher could have said this, and I'm like, sure. I like to preach. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I'm going to prepare for a few days and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but you sit there and you, you make a notes and you, you think, you know, but then the Lord really humbled me and you just said, darling, you, you you're trying to do church in one way. I have designed church. When you come under my design of church, it's, it's going to be a bit like, it's going to be hard and messy, but it's my way that you must want to do. And I went from kind of looking at church as this kind of thing I wanted to solve, the math problem, to actually, your God, actually, can you just show me more of yourself in all these churches? And I want to find out. So then I came back, and I felt the grace. At the time, I had never fully given myself to church, um, understanding that it was God's thing. I kind of thought, like, we're going to do all the cool things and fun things, but I'm not going to make the coffee. I'm not going to stand up front and welcome people. Like, I'm too good for that. That's kind of how I felt. I felt like, I want the kick, I want the kick, you know? And I came back, but I knew I had a commitment to God. Not with anyone, not a friend that said, come to Josh Jane or whatever. I had made a commitment to God. And when you call me into a place, into a family, I'm going to join that family, irrespective. I had no idea who I was coming into this But I really want you to hear, hear my heart now, because this is where the duty started. I think for the first, like, three months, I probably felt... Um, Felt like I was in the honeymoon phase of a relationship. It's like I couldn't see anything wrong with Josh. Then it would be like, you know, we got this wrong, we care. I'd be like, no, then you're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Don't worry. Good church. This is, this is 
just, it's just blow your mind to see so many people lay down for the gospel, so many people with passion for Jesus. And then, I suddenly saw all the problems. I suddenly saw all the cracks. But I've made a commitment to God. Um, but what is beautiful is in seeing all the cracks, I just saw people that were laying down for Jesus. And I realized, well, I'm actually not laying down for Jesus in some areas of my life. And so I went from challenge from on fire for Jesus, suddenly having to lay down certain things in my life. Certain areas. And as some of you know, that for me was hockey. But I love hockey, and it's a great sport, you should play it. You can play it if it's a small, like, yo, do you know the way? Yeah, okay, It's an incredible sport. Like for me, I can play it non stop, and I'll never get sick of it. I get sick of something like golf or soccer or whatever. But hockey, I could play for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. The problem is it became so attached to my identity, so attached to who I was, that the moment I, I read, like, I felt the Lord almost saying, like, I'm not wanting you to give up hockey necessarily, I'm just wanting you to give it to me. Mm. I'm wanting you to give it to me. And um, the, the struggle with that is that I thought I was free every time I made a better team, or did a better play, or got, felt like I had more approval from a coach, for example. But as I like try to drop it, I realized like, I couldn't. My hand was too tight on it. I, I couldn't drop it. And I realized I'm in bondage. I'm not free. I can't release this. I'm in bondage to this. It's not actually possible. And I needed the power. I remember one night, and I wasn't going to say this, but I was on my knees. I cried. I was like, God, I really want to be able to give this up, but I can't. But I just knew that I knew that I knew that I had the Father and the Spirit help me through it. Um, and I kind of view it as like the analogy of a dog running with its owner. Okay, so I'm running and I've got my dog Kev. My dog at the moment is very old. He would not be able to last more than 15 years. But when he was young, this is how it would be. I'd run and he'd be right next to me. He'd get tired and tired, but I'd encourage him more and more. And I'd um, pat him on the back and he trusted me and he loved me. And that's why he followed me. And he knew, he knew that he could trust me. He knew he could trust me. So that's the first thing. I had to first say, God, I, I actually do trust you with this. I believe your ways are higher than mine. I believe that there are some billion, billion light years in terms of like where the heavens are from the earth, and you say your ways are higher than that. So I, I can trust you. It's the first thing. Then I had to realize that he's equipped me through the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to live freely as a child in the house. Um, and then I had to know that there's joy in the end. There's joy in the end. But the big crowd crux of the matter came when I realized that Jesus says this, no longer do I call you in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends, for, you, for all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. And I knew in that moment that Jesus loved me so dearly that he wasn't going to make me a slave in the house, to just kind of walk around. I knew that I was his friend. And more than that, that I get to serve him, so the opportunity. And in that, I realized that because he loves me, because Christ loved me, first, I am able to love. So because he loved me, I realized I loved him. And this side thing was like, I'll gladly actually get up because I love you, Jesus. And that's what I did with my little sister. I didn't even realize at the time. I loved her so much that I was like, I know she wants this. I'm going to join her. And I could trust her, and I had all the other things in place, but I really loved my little sister, and she really wanted to do it. And I thought, I'm going to join her. 
And it's kind of like that analogy, you know that God really, really, really loves you for that moment when he asks you to maybe just open your hands a bit. And the moment I dropped it, and I've had to drop it a few times, it's a very raw testimony, I'll tell you that. This last week I made a decision with it as well. But the moment I drop it, it's like this incredible release of my, my life and my waiting, my walking into just every day, because I realize I'm not in bondage to this thing anymore. I can drop it, and if God pulls me back into it, I'm not in there to grab it up again and pick up my life. I've dropped it. And so, in the one sense, he calls us, us his friend. In the other sense, he says some radical things. He says, whoever will pick up their life for my sake will find it, but whoever, sorry, whoever will pick up their life will lose it, but whoever will um, lose their life for my sake will find it. And that's very difficult if you don't know that he really loves you. And it says, Jesus did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he lowered himself and became a servant. He came our feet to wash the disciples' feet. The God of gods of all the universe served. So I know I said we call those friends, but there is a service that I think is also free. When I give something to say God free, God free, for no reason, he's not going to give me anything back. Because I know there's no selfish desire in me, I actually to a certain degree feel free. So when I do something with a selfish desire in me that I often feel I'm actually bondage to that selfish desire and I'm making this decision, I'm making this gift, or I'm giving whatever this is, but it's not freely given. Mm-hmm. It's actually the selfish desire. And Jesus did that in the cross. Trust me, Jesus asked the Father, please take this cup away from me. Please, I take this cup away from me. But not my will, your will be done. Because he loved us so dearly, he was able to obey the Father. and didn't do it out of duty entirely. Okay. We're on the same page there. Okay, so there's this, like he's our friend. But he also equips us to actually be able to live free from the world, not so much in bondage to the world. Cool. Um, yeah, there's, there's a saying I read on a, on a post, and I know we must use scripture, but it's <laughs> quite a good saying. Freedom is doing what you love to do, if what you love to do is what you ought to do. And transformation is a change of our hearts so that what we love to do is what we ought to do. Yeah. So freedom is what you, lo- what you love to do. I love it. I'm keen to do it. But if I know you've done uh, some shame and guilt in my life, and it, or not in my life, in this thing, if I know there's something that you reach of selfishness, or something that's shameful in it, even though I love to do it, oh, I don't feel free to do it. I know deep down there's some sense of I'm still in bondage to it. So I have to, so what I love to do, I must ought to do. But that's not possible as a human only possible through the Spirit, and that's where transformation happens. So if anyone wants a bunch of lists or rule, rule books to Christianity, you're not going to get it. You need the power of the Spirit in your life. And that's where freedom really lies. Cool. Um, yeah. We're going to go to the next one, and this is the final one. Okay, so we've got, um, yeah, we're going to try, as they would say, land it. But, you know, I'm trying to imitate my enemies here. <laughs> um, so we've got opportunity, we're capable, we're motivated now, we find a reason to do it, we're no longer slaves in the house. And then we need to know that that parachute is going to work. Yeah. And I'm going to be saved. Now I just want to say, at least for me, the first thing I thought of was actually, geez, can I trust this? This thing, this bungee jump, this gorge thing, will I actually be safe in the end? 
Yeah. Once I did that, then I could go back and say, okay, why am I doing this? Okay, I don't that. Awesome, okay, but how am I going to do it? Okay, I need to be equipped. And then I can actually enjoy the day from a point of opportunity because I can say, yo, what a great opportunity. Everything else is prepared. I can now enjoy it. I can have fun now. So I can enjoy the weather. I can, I'll probably, if you're a journalist, you probably wrote down in the morning how you felt and your cup of coffee and then you took a photo of every person that was there because you're so excited for the day. You're so excited for the opportunity. And I think once you have all these other things in place, Specifically, the fact that we know that we are saved in the time of day, we'll be able to enjoy everything else in life truly. Now, I believe, and you don't have to agree with me, that. What do I believe? <laughs> 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 Give us a capability of feeling a sense of freedom 
and dealing with our guilt. It almost feels like we sometimes walk. I have a testimony of a friend, and he said I could share this. He was my old roommate, and the other day he sent me this long message. I didn't, I didn't know he was a Christian. He sent me this long message, just apologizing for a whole bunch of things he did two years ago when he was in the roommate. Small things, but it was like taking my peanut butter. And I thought, like, no, don't worry, bro, it's really so chill. I said, let's have a coffee, let's meet up. Because I was so blown away that a non-believer had decided to actually say sorry for something. It is over God, completely unrelated. I wasn't affected by it at all. He felt like he had conviction. So when I sat down with him, he said, no, I am saved. I don't know about you guys, but I've never met a non-believer who's actually felt like going back and actually dealing with their things in the past. Because what Jesus does is on that cross, he says, I will sort out the cause. When I sort out the cause, I'll give you freedom and freedom everlasting. For it is through Christ that sets us free. So if we don't sort out the cause and we don't, we're not willing to actually deal with these things, we're never going to find true freedom. We're always going to find it in something that feels like freedom. Am I babbling? Great. So there's, yeah, we can use the two words, fine and fiction. Okay, so there's fiction and there's fine and neither of those will bring us true freedom. Um, yeah, Jean said I shouldn't read this quote, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon, the old theologian, says, A man's contentment is in his mind, not in the extent of his possessions. Alexander the Great, with all the world at his feet, cries for another world to conquer. Okay, so when we have everything, we're still going to look for something more. When we have Jesus, we have everything that there is to have. I'm very content. You might ask me, okay, that's great, brother. But I have a, your test sheet was mean for me this week. How am I supposed to, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. Your health type, I felt a lot of anxiety. You know, a lot of anxiety. And for me, that has just been transformed with the renewing of my mind. And that needs to happen every day because the scripture says, do not be conformed to this world, the way of thinking anyone else thinks, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect. Like we, we are human and we've been wired in a certain way since we were small to think in a certain way. If we don't get the renewing of our mind which comes to the presence of the Lord, not reading the Bible per se, but to reading the Bible to experience God to release us and free us, we're never going to be transformed in the renewing of our mind. Cool. And I want to touch on just quickly selfishness because I think it's something that we don't think about enough. We often, I'm almost done, we're often always talking about different types of sins. But if you struggle to, for example, give yourself to a common community or actually you just struggle to walk into church today. And like I touched on, you know, you need to know that firstly you've been loved by the Lord because you actually want to give yourself to the body. Um, But Galatians 5 says this, you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Oh. Now I want to challenge us because I think this is something that could be crippling us, especially with COVID at the moment, and how easy it is for us to just slip through the cracks. The moment you feel, yo, why am I, I don't feel like doing this, I don't feel like serving, I don't feel like going for that coffee with that person that I don't get along with at all. Just remember that you are not called for your own fleshly and selfish desires. Yeah. And you can pray to the Lord in that moment and say, Lord, please help me with my selfishness because 
Oh, I, I could do this, but I know you can, and I know that you want me to serve one another and love one another. Um, and, I, and I believe we can actually ask more of that freedom from selfishness. We get freedom from a lot of things we talk about, but freedom from selfishness, my own selfish desires. Jesus is not counted a thing to be grasped that he would equal to God. He loved himself. Cool. Yeah, so, um, so I've touched on quite a few things, and I, and I want to end with this. We've had quite, it's quite a deep ending. No, it's been a deep ending. But I want to say that it is, a, it is an incredible joy to serve the Lord. It's an incredible joy to actually operate in your gifts. I almost want to say, I know Godfrey said he doesn't enjoy preaching, but I think when Godfrey's up worshipping, he feels probably the closest to his calling he's ever felt, and probably the most free. Once I say that he enjoys leading churches, and I know a large part of his calling is to plant churches. But I feel like when he's up here preaching and he's operating in his gift, he feels really free as well. He's, a, he's being a part of the, the impartation of the Lord's words to everyone, and just being a vessel makes you feel free. So, like we spoke about giftings earlier, like I want to say, like your gift is needed. It really is. If you have a word today and you're too afraid to share it, I almost want to say that sometimes God actually cares more about your faith in the word, provided it's within the bounds of the scripture. He's more cared about the faith with the words, and if you give it, not sure, maybe 80% that it's just there for the Lord, but that your faith in it, that you believe that God is in it, can actually add the life to it. Because yeah. God adds the life to anything that's yeah. yeah. It's not me. It's not me. When people are worshiping or have kids, I'm a Christian. This man will pray in his room all the time. Who's got a prophetic word from Christian before? So Christian, I'm sure you like I'm sure you'd love to be up here and preach. But he is faithful to his gift. And he feels more calling when he's in that room praying for words for people at prayer meeting and prayer meetings. What an opportunity to serve the body. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I, I really am excited, and I, and, I, and I don't want you to ask some incredible things that the Lord's done in my life. Just being a part of this kingdom. Suddenly, He realized my heart, and the things that I want to actually the things He wants. And as I enjoy that, and as I experience that, I get to see things. I see a baptism. I mean, how incredible is that testimony? Is it more to see? Yeah, how incredible is that testimony? Like, that for me fills me with so much more joy than scoring goal in hockey game. Like, seeing that joy on her and seeing the fun she has in life. For me, it just blows me away. It gives me so much excitement for the kingdom, and I want to go and have more coffees. But what happens, <laughs> what happens, what happens when it's like that? We you know, go back to lockdown, and now it's a Wednesday, and we've got church, and then 50 of us, and we don't have as much faith in the room to sing for Jesus. Are oh, we still trying to find where God's heart is in that? Because he's in that just as much as we've been tonight, just because we can all meet. Okay, now I'm thinking about that. Um, but yeah, I would like to give an opportunity to, to people that don't know the Lord and maybe feel, God, I don't know if you can really, I don't know how you this, but it would be cool to worship a bit more, I think. Yeah. And if you guys want to come up so long. Um, um, if, if you don't know the Lord and you feel like you're running after the next distraction or the next uh, kick, and you. I'm sure you often find yourself actually asking yourself the big question like, Yo, am I actually happy with what I'm doing? Yeah. Then you'll maybe change degree, or you'll change job, or you'll get a new girlfriend or a new boyfriend. Um, but if, if that is you, I really, um, I, I want to ask you to actually count the cost. And what I mean by that is, when I gave my life, there was an altar call, gave my life to Jesus on grade 8, 
and I didn't go out with all three hundred boys or whatever it was that went out. I didn't go out. I was too afraid of man to go out. But I knew my heart had given my life to Jesus, and I, knew, I know that that day I gave my life to Jesus. The problem is I hadn't dealt with the fear of man. Look how long it has taken me just to be able to release hockey. Because I didn't actually count the cost on that first day. It says, um, he actually asked us to count the cost, and he asked us to, um, you know, it, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, you know, which, uh, which war leader would think about the war, like plan a war, but like, not sit down first and plan the war, plan it, and then count the cost for what needs to do, and then choose to go to war or not. And I don't think that that's something that we pose a lot in Christianity. I really do believe that God is good regardless of where it is, and He's so patient. He's so patient, and He's so patient with me. Come to Him for whatever it is. I also want to ask you, you don't, you don't need to right now put your hand up or anything, but I, I do ask that all we worship, we have just a few leaders. I'll be here, God, if you'll be here. If you want to give your life to Jesus, have the boldness to walk down and say before man, before someone, or before a woman, that you want to give your life to Jesus. Christian, and if you've been struggling with duty, if you've been struggling with not knowing how to operate your gifting, if you've been struggling with anything like this, I really, I really want to say that you can be free, and I think come also, if we could have some people here, each and a few other people, just tap someone on the shoulder, just say, I just need prayer. I just want free, I want breakthrough here. And then as you sing, sing as though you're free. <laughs> Sounds weird. I'm not preaching a faith-based gospel entirely, but I'm saying like, God wants us to have faith that we're free. Let's ask Him with faith. Let's actually stand here and say, God, like, I want to be free of this sin. I want to be free of this guilt. I want to be free of this shame. And for too long, it's been hindering me from walking with people. Is that cool?